a listener production. Welcome back. You are listening to episode 150 of the Howie Games Part B with football and now star of Stan Sport, Mark Bosnich. Time for the second half. So, Bozza, when when you uh, you can take this wherever you want. When you win a cup, yeah, and you have a bloke like Dwight York in your team, yeah. who you're tight with, yeah. What what does a celebration involve, Bozza? Because you, you're yeah, a man no, that likes to I, enjoy I, I themselves. Was, it's funny. It's a great question because I was I I'm going to speak to him again tonight um, because uh, I I think he'd be great to come over here to manage. I think that'd be really good for the local game. Yeah, I, think, it I think it really needs a boost and he galvanises as a player. I think it'd be good to come over as a manager. And I was speaking to him about it a couple of weeks ago that, you know, obviously, you know, people have got this, you know, image of him. He was one of the, not, not one, he was the hardest working player at all the three clubs that I ever worked with. Cool. Um, and yes, he would enjoy his night out, but it was never, it was never in, in a way to interrupt the preparations for a football game. And, uh, and then, the, the, well, the, the first time that we won it, I was single, so I could go out. So we went out in the town in London. That was it. And we got in at about five o'clock in the morning, but there was it was enough time for breakfast. It was all leaving at about ten. Yeah. <laughs> but this, the second the second time around, I, I I was courting at that time. I was going out with somebody, so it was courting. a little bit different. So yeah, there you go. How's that? Yeah. Okay. So like you know, when it was one of them, you know, when they were, they were after the official function and all that, and they were going out. He goes, see him. I go, yeah, cheers, buddy. Like cheers. <laughs> I remember my missus at the time was like, you really want to go? And I said, no, I don't. I said, I want to be here with you. <laughs> uh, you're a good man. I, uh, I tell um, you, I, those are the type of, that, that's when you really need discipline. <laughs> that, like, that's not the original reason you play, but one of the things you think to yourself is that, you know, when you win something big, a major trophy, you, of course you're going to celebrate. And I think it's important to celebrate those Absolutely. moments without going too far. But just like when you get defeated as well, I think it's important that, uh, uh, not important. I think it's understandable that you're down, but um, you know, a loss is not fatal. You know, it's how you come back from it, and and a win's not final either. Yep. So that's when you need people like the managers that we have to turn around and go enjoy yourselves, great, but then go okay, well, we've got another game this week, yeah. So we, yeah. you know, we've got to win this game as well. So that that that's that's an important thing. But that was everywhere, even with Sir Alex, who's got that reputation as a as a real authoritarian and all that. I mean, he would allow the players to celebrate. Up until a point, but he he realised that it was important. Yes, you know every manager I had, you had to have a little bit of a pressure valve that was released a little bit, but just to you know to a certain line. And I think slowly but surely everyone knows what that line is. Like it's not as if you're going to go on a bender for three or four days, but you have to have that little because if you don't pace yourself, I think if you're too intense, you're going to burn out. Absolutely, you really are because then or you're going to start thinking to yourself, well. You know, uh, and I know a lot of people think, oh, that's the way, but I don't think so because eventually you've got to, there's got to be that high of when you win and a little bit of the low when you lose. If you just keep staying the same, like I said to you, I think you would just burn out. People are just going to go, like, like, you know, the whole idea. I mean, look, before we walked out of Man United when I was a kid for those three years and when I went back in 1999, the thing, the, the three things that Fergie used to say to all of us as we're lining up in the tunnel, remember, okay, you're breathing, your concentration, and the most important thing, enjoy yourself. And I think if you get to the point where you don't, and this is why I think, you know, we talk about mental health, which is such an important thing, but I really think if you start, whatever job it is that you do, if it starts to get really, really hard from it, you know, I think you need a break, number one. And number two, I think that's, you know, obviously that pressure can be alleviated in different ways. There's always going to be pressure, but you know and I know there's a good pressure. There's a pressure where you think, 
when you start to get scared or something like that, then you start thinking, well, that's not really the environment that people are going to thrive in. Yep. But, but Howie, I mean, you know, what you do when you do it on the cricket in your commentary, yep. you're hosting that is excellent. Right? Thanks. But can you imagine if I come that morning of the opening test match in the Ashes series and said, listen, mate, right? If you don't do these certain things, you mm-hmm. won't be here after lunch. Now, you yes. might be able to do it a couple times. You might be, all right, well, this is hard, but I'll do it. Yeah? Yeah. But eventually, if I keep putting that type of pressure on you as your boss, and who's got to say, you will start thinking that this is, all right, this is, you know, this is really, you know, yeah? So that's why managing is very, very important. You'll be able to do it for a certain amount of time, but you've got to enjoy what you do because if you're enjoying what you're doing, I'm enjoying watching you. I love watching you guys, listening to you. Yeah, but if I could see somebody was a little bit, I'd I'd say, is is that person okay? Or, you know, like, you know, because there has to be a little bit of that uh, avenue for Mm. expression. Yes, you have your, uh, let's talk about it like a sport. You'll have your set plays, your structure, so to speak. Everyone loves to use that word. Right, mm, structures sport, right? and processes. Right, okay. But you'll have that. You know that, don't you? You'll be given certain things that you have to hit, right? We have to hit the ad break. Uh, by the way, you have to say this thing about, um, uh, you know, I don't know, the 2020 coming up later on tonight. You know you have to hit those. But those other times, you know, that, those are the times that are, I would say the vast majority of people listen, yeah, and they turn around and they go, oh, okay, fair enough. I just learned something there. Good. And I can feel that you're enjoying yourself. And then I start enjoying it. I don't really, you put me in a mood to really look forward to it. Yeah. But that's when you need your teammates there to go, listen, mate, you're great at your job and I love working with you. That's important too. Yeah, that's important. But sometimes, as you know, in our dynamic, there are people, whatever, yeah. not everyone likes everyone. So maybe they yeah. won't say it or maybe they don't want to get involved. But that's when you, like I said, when you yourself have got to be yourself and people will notice it. And that's in, you know, that's you know, people don't, uh, I realised that when they say lights, camera, action, you know, that can be as much pressure as, as, as when it was like, okay, let's go. You know, this is a big game, 60,000 people. You need not to concede a goal today. It mm. really can be, yeah? So talking about – actually, before I get back to Manchester United, I always say to my guests and I said to you at the start, if anything comes up that you're not comfortable with, we cut it out later on. Oh, um, yeah, but I don't mind. I, I've always got a rule. I'll do this even if we're on stage now in front of 1,000 people before the, yep. before the AFL grand final and you're doing this yep. interview with me, yeah? And yeah. I would say to you in front of everyone, you can ask me whatever you want, but my only rule is I can answer it however I want. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's the best way to go at yeah. it. So, when, mate, when I was working in England, if if a bloke got a pay rise that we worked with on the car raising, the, the expression in England was, oh, well, look at him now. He's on footballer's wages. Right. Right. That that, that was the way big money was described. It was footballer's wages because the is. EPL was <laughs> yeah, well, the EPL was exploding. <laughs> so, Bozza, you, you can choose to tell me, as you say, right. or not what you were getting paid at Aston Villa. It was reported when you ended up at Chelsea that you were on – $120,000. Yeah, I don't know what the exchange rate, but it was, yeah, it was a lot. I don't know what the exchange rate was then, but it was a lot. Well, I, I went to Manchester United originally on a free transfer. So, yeah. Um, so, probably at that time, I would have cost in the range of £8 million plus probably another, you know, a million pounds a year in wages. So, so you can work it out then. So, you know, but I was on a free transfer, so there was no transfer. Um, and so you're then, getting a, mil- a million pounds a year to play for Manchester United-ish. Well, that's if there was a transfer, but there was no transfer. So I, I could ask for more. Yeah. Right. So, so so there you go. So so can you give me a ballpark of, of yeah, sort of? Yeah, oh, well, well, because there was no transfer, you're talking to pretty much double that, yeah? So um, there a lot of people uh, raise the issue about the money and, and like, look, I, I've sort of learned along, especially over here because – 
when I say over here, over in Australia, because I still believe that a lot of, a, a lot of people, and understandably so, I guess from a, from a lot of perspectives, but for some reason have a, a, an issue, which I, I find I'm trying to understand, but I have an issue with what sporting players earn. And my point always to them is, number one, supply and demand. Okay, there's not a lot of people, no. uh, you know, that can kick. Can a I thousand. just stop you there for one sec, yes. mate? I, I, I think if you're one of the best goalkeepers in the world, yes, you should be getting paid a lot of money because there's massive TV rights. That the money deserves to go to the elite performers. So. Yes. I, I look at it as the American point of view that it is a massive positive. The more you're getting paid, good luck to you. I, I don't know why we don't feel like that in Australia. I don't, that, know, I don't know either. I don't know either, but mm. supply and demand. And you've seen the Premier League now go to an even different level. I mean, that, that yeah. would still be a pretty big wage now, to be fair. But again, um, you know, w- without blowing one's trumpet, um, that was the going price at that time. You know, and uh, and from a personal point of view, you know, people say about all oh, the money and this, that, and the other. I never, I, I, I kind of hardly remember looking at one of my wage slips. You used to get a wage slip. If it was a club that paid you weekly or monthly, you used to get yeah. a wage slip so you could see, uh, you know, what you earned, how much you had to pay in tax. I very, very rarely looked at them. I, I, I was never really motivated by that. So, But that's what I wanted to. Yeah, my uh, motivation. Yeah. I know a lot of people got a bit wowed by it, yeah. But my motivation, I told you, stemmed from the fact that I wanted to be the best. And from Craig Johnson, looking at him playing at Wembley. Eh? So, so just on the – and you're saying you, you don't remember looking at a paycheck. Mm. Does does life change? Do you feel a responsibility when you earn the amount of money? Do you have more people around you trying to get your hands on that money? Like what happens when you're all of a sudden earning $5 million bucks a year? Yeah, we might get onto that. That did come. Yeah, i become a target for, for certain people. That was definitely um, – and uh, maybe I wish perhaps um, – Maybe I was a little bit wiser in a way, I guess, in terms of. But tell me, what do you mean? Like, tell me about being well, a target, being well, wiser. Well, that's, that's how that's how it all ended. I know, in, in the Chelsea thing, so I, I, you know, and what I subsequently found out was that um, a girl was sent in to me um, to to basically, you know, to wind me up to a point where I did something silly, which lucky I didn't, and her and the people behind her were going to try to blackmail me. Wow. Um, so, so how does it not change your buzzer? How does it not make oh, you well, a the, like well, you're an I, I open, think that gregarious? Depends, yeah, that depends on your personality. You know what I mean? I, I, everyone's different. But I think so, that did depends. you withdraw at all or not from people? No, I didn't want to do that. What do they that. want from no, me? I, maybe I should have, but I didn't want to do that because I sort of thought, well, if I withdraw, I think that's sort of like a little bit of an admission of defeat that it has sort of changed. You know, I was conscious. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't want people to see me in any way different, even though some did. Um, so I didn't withdraw. Um, maybe I should have done. I would have got into that situation. Maybe, but I didn't want to think like that. I just thought, just keep being yourself. You know, kind of that. Really, that's all. Um, and and nothing in the terms of, you know, the only thing you say you, you could change is that you can, you know, invest in a, I guess a, a a more expensive house or, yeah. um, you know, you you could you could maybe go, you know, like I said to to you know, to to people. Like, uh, okay, well, you know. Should we eat in tonight? I said, no, we can go eat out. Like, that's all. Nothing, nothing really. Like I said, nothing until I've sat down there. Like I said, I've got all my wage sleeves stuck to the wall like posters and go, well, look at that. <laughs> yeah. But everyone's different. Everyone's different. Did you buy a car? Did you buy it? Were you like, no, I, the I'd only be time fascinated. I, yeah, the only time, like, I, I, I got it. I, like, I got new, but I wasn't like, some people, that's their hobbies. I think I think the late Shane Warren was a little bit like that. Yeah, York, Yorkie, yeah, Yorkie was like that. I mean, Yorkie used to like that by... That was his hobby. That wasn't really my hobby. It was like I was to say to Yorker, I used to go when he used to say, come over and 
seen his new car. <laughs> and I go, I go, that's brilliant, but you can't drive it inside the nightclub, buddy. Well, like, you know, I really like it, you know what I mean? Yeah? I said, that's going to be a bit hard to get inside the door. But everyone's different. You know, everyone's different. Um, so you didn't have a car or a yeah, watch? Yeah, I, or... I, I promised myself I'd buy myself a new car when I won my first major trophy. Before that, I used to have a club car. So when we beat Man United in 1993-94 at Wembley, yeah, I, I invested in it. I said, I'm going to buy myself a new car. That, that What did you get? That. I got a, I think it was an M3 at the time. One okay. of those low, you know, BMW. <laughs> Didn't really suit me because I, they're more <laughs> for smaller people, but there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, we've had um, we had Luke Longley on this show and I was fascinated because he played in one of the great sporting teams of all time, all time the Chicago yeah. Bulls. Uh, and I think it would be fair to say Manchester United, you were part of them. 99-2000. Even in the final game against Aston Villa, United still push for more achievements. A record number of wins in a season, a record points total, the most goals scored. The greatest winning margin, 18 points. We're always looking for improvement. You never satisfy yourself in this game. It's easy to satisfy yourself if you're of a nature to relax, but we're not relaxing. So we're not satisfied. They won the league by 18 points, record margin, world champions. Yeah, and world yeah. champions. That was that was important to me because I, I, I without being disrespectful, but I realised during my my lifetime, it would have it, is, it was going to be nigh impossible to win the World Cup with Australia. Okay, because yes. we, we are not at that level yet. Yeah, but to be part of a club team that was the best team in the world that night, that was very important, and that was a game that I used to watch as a kid growing up as well because it was it, it was from. Japan and the time zone was normally around it was around Sunday lunchtime. Yeah. Tokyo 99 had a much warmer glow. The magnificent national stadium, the venue for United's clash with the Brazilians of Palmeiras. No British side has ever won this competition. It's yet another indication of how far United have come under the leadership of Sir Alex Ferguson. Incredibly, they were looking for their fourth major trophy of the year. But that was that was great. That was that was a real that was like wow, that's good. Yeah. Nice ball from Esprit, a chance for Alex. Good block from Bosnich and cleared by Gary Neville. And the Australian certainly timed his block to perfection. So you beat Palmeiras 1-0. You you were incredible. You, let's let's be honest, you won the game for Manchester United. Like your saves, I watched the second half yeah. last night and the commentators are talking non-stop about how good you were. Nick from Paolo Nunes, chance for Aspria. And once again, Bosnich's run and timing... Thwarting Aspria. The first thing Sheringham will have to do is to try and thwart the corner, and no one has, and a great save from Bosnich. Beckham, Alex, oh, great save again from Bosnich. He's having a superb game. Great reactions. But, Bozza, I, I sort of tried to have this discussion with Luke, and he was very eloquent like you are. Like, you know, Ferguson as coach, you in goals, Beckham, Scholes, Gigs, like these are legends of the game. What was that environment like? And what about the fact that you played in that team, Bozza? Yeah, well, that, it was an honour to play in that team. Um, it, uh, you know, it would have been nice to play longer, I must admit, but unfortunately I, I had a fallout with, uh, with with the boss and um, like uh, my dad used to turn around and say to me, you know, rule number one, the boss is right, and rule number two, if he's wrong, uh, look at rule number one. But when you're younger... <laughs> When you're younger, you think you're bulletproof, uh, and, and that's that's understandable. But that, that was it was a, a true honour. And the other thing as well, and you talked about before being comfortable around people. 
I remember a lot of these young, especially the young ones, they were young apprentices when I was there the first time. So I had that familiarity. It was fine. It was only the, you know, and Yorkie was there. It was only like really, uh, I would guess what, Andy Cole, but I knew him anyway. Um, Roy Keane, like, you know, that I didn't really know, no, you know, Teddy Sharing, the rest pretty yapstam. The rest I knew, uh, you know, the, the Nevilles were young kids when I was there, Bex, Giggsy, um, Scolzy, Nicky Butt, um, all of them really. So what made that team so special apart well, number from one, talent? Well, number one, I think this gets overlooked. And the same, I think, when people talk about Roy Keane, they're very talented. They were superbly talented. They were the right mixture um, and they also were super fit and they had a spirit, a never-say-die spirit, that's uh, as good as any uh, environment that I've seen and, and – uh, and that was down to the manager, it has to be said, yeah? What was his great skill? Motivation, motivation, and the way that he controlled players. I just hope that you can go now tonight and make sure you don't let yourselves down. This team's totally motivated now. They've got stubby into solid performers. It's a night where you can relax and then play, but win. <laughs> you can relax and play and win, you know. So motivation was, was that was that fire and brimstone speeches could, or yeah, what could, was that? Yeah, it could be. It could be fire and brimstone, or, or it could be. You know, I, I always remember um, a time when we lost the game, and I thought we we're going to get it. You know, like really get it. You know, because that's the, as a young kid growing up, you got used to that. You knew if you went in at half time, you weren't performing, you were going to get it, and you had to <laughs> respond. If you didn't respond, he'd say, right, well. You know, if you can't respond, then you're not the type of player that Man United needs, yeah? Um, but there was a time when we lost it, and he came over and he turned around and just shook everyone's hand and said, well done and all that, yeah? And I remember being a bit perplexed, but I remember the assistant manager, Steve McLaren, came out to me because that's, you know, that's what, that's what the managers normally do. They send their assistant to see how the team's, because they don't go, but they send their assistant and they say, I remember saying to him, I was expecting a bit of a, you know, rollicking, and he was going, no, we've got another game in three days. And he goes, and, and you did give everything, but it just wasn't your day today, yeah? But then there'll be other times that you won 4-0 and you walk in and you're like <laughs> over the moon and he would give it to someone, yeah? But then you, then you as you get older and you, you step away from you realise he's doing that for certain reasons. Coming back to what I said about keeping you down, that was Ron Atkinson, very, very similar, you know, like in terms of Fergie, how he, how he went about things, you know? So that was like to keep you down or whatever or, you know, all there'll be times when, when I don't know, to get a reaction, say if we're playing uh, a team that was closer to the bottom of the league, you know, they used to always have these reports from their scouts that we used to have in a team meeting that he would go through. And he just came and looked at this team and just threw it in. Oh, he obviously done it on purpose, but it was a bit of a sort of, you know, stage thing. And it was all the team meeting. It was at about one o'clock. It was a home game. Uh, kickoff was three, so it was at one o'clock. So he'd had the team meeting around about that time and then mm -hmm. leave it to the boys to get ready and just say a few words before we, before we went out. And he just threw it in the bin. And he said, it's quite simple. If you don't win today there's going to be changes and just went out. So everyone's like, okay, well, we're about 4-0 up at half time. So there you go. So, yeah, so, so, so it's so, hard. So that, I always remember saying afterwards after the game and all of it, then I remember Keno saying, oh, you just done that on purpose. I said, probably did. I said, but you know what? Now we've reacted like that. We've kind of left ourselves open. So he's going to do that more often. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's Fergie. Obviously the Manchester United legend was built around you all, but the, the two um, the two biggest names, I guess, that have gone on. They've both become sirs as now is Sir David Beckham. Yeah. You saw him as a young fella. What yeah. was what was he like to play football with? But, like, 
These are incredible people you've had the opportunity to yeah, play with. He, he was always an exceptional talent. Um, uh, it, the, the only thing I think that they originally had concerns about him, um, but they had that concern about a lot of people, uh, I think at times including myself, was what they would say. Uh, I don't see that's what I mean. I don't know if that would work this time because I don't know if you could get away, but the mental toughness side, you know, because Fergie's thing was like, you know, if you can't respond to, you know, this and that, what are you going to do when we're playing away from home and 50,000 people are, calling you every name under the sun and all that. And I think they sent him to Preston North End, I think it was. I have to check that. But it was like a lower division club where it's, I mean, those lower divisions, I was talking about it somebody the other, but like they're as physical as they come anywhere around yeah. the world and they let a yes. lot go as well. So it, it really makes or breaks you, so, so to speak. Um, but like his right foot was like a wand. He could, you know, you, you could be on the pitch, you know, just messing around beforehand and he'd say, you know, like you say to him, I oh, hit the crossbar from me, and he would pretty much hit it. It was amazing, yeah? Wow. And Beckham saw Sullivan off his line. Oh! That is absolutely phenomenal. What an astonishing goal by David Beckham from the halfway line. And a, and a great character as well. They've done a lot of work. That was the other thing about the team, massive work ethic. I think that gets overlooked a lot in football. People, okay, you've got talent, that's one thing, but talent won't surpass willpower unless you match the will of the opposition. So because a lot of opposition teams realise, okay, we're playing against a better team than ourselves, so what are we going to do to stop them? Well, maybe if we really, really go at them in terms of will and determination and they, don't, they, they look as though they don't fancy it, maybe we might be able to, you know? So as the, as the more favourite team, the, the better team, you've got to match that. So then after 20 minutes, that's usually when it settles down, that the opposition team go, well, we're not going to outrun them. We're not going to out, you know, determine them in terms of, you know, winning, winning tackles and, and sort of getting control of midfield. It sort of breaks their, it breaks their own strength, which is their will down, and then your football should come out on top. Mora Boz in a tick. We've been fortunate, very fortunate, to have a few world-class footballers on this show. Johnny Aloisi on episode 86, managerial maestro Ange Postacoglu on episode 12, and Socceroo legend Tim Cale on episode 37. You're in a situation, and everyone's in this situation, every day walks of life, and it's a competition, and the winner's always going to be whoever wants it more. And all I can say is, is anything that's worth having hurts, whether it's your wife or your kids or business or anything, sport, it's got to hurt. If it was easy getting it, it's not worth it. Everyone will be doing it. And I feel that the people that are successful, the people that I've played with or the people that I admire in business are the people that are obsessed with not just winning, but failing to become better people and better at what they do. That's Tim Cale on episode 37 of the show. Back to Mark. The Socceroos, Bozza, you represented them numerous times. Oh. Probably not as many times as you want because no, of, there, no there was a real... Yeah, no it, international yeah. break then, Howie. Yeah, no, no this, this is something that I was rattling on about because we had this situation with, with this World Cup qualifier. Yeah. Um, but that's another thing. That's a, that's another thing. Like I said to you, it's a real cultural thing, in my opinion, because we've struggled with that throughout the years. I mean, I, I used to bang my head against the wall at Fox with, 
with various uh, uh, people upstairs um, because they used to say, stop saying about this international break. And I say, well, okay. But I said, like, you're paying for a product during international times that's not worth what you're paying. Then they go, you know, know, then they go, Talk to me. What do you mean? I go, well, So okay. would there be resistance for you, like when yeah, you're massive. at the big clubs? Massive, so you, massive. Do you have to go in and see the manager and say, right, the Socceroos are playing yeah. against such and such? What would the manager the, say? The, the, the rule they always had is if it's an important World Cup qualifier, no problem. But you're not going oh, halfway around the world for a pissy friendly, right. right? And I used to say, yeah, but it's, you know, I used to say the obvious thing. It's my country. And I go, yeah, okay, but does your country pay the wages we pay you? And they had a point. I wasn't yeah, going to say, no, you know, I've got an answer for everything. I yeah, you know, I remember my accent turned around and say, "Oh, you've always got a word. You've always got an answer for everything." You're a bit, again, like Eddie said, hey, "Why don't you answer that one?" Uh, they didn't have a point for friendlies. They said, "This is the this is the thing." World Cup qualifiers, different story, right? Okay, some of them try to push it and say, "All right, if it's a World Cup qualifier against uh, at that time an Oceania, lesser, all right, uh, I don't want to say the country would be disrespectful, but a lesser Oceania team." That you're yep. going to win 10 nil. Do they really need you back? Yep. And the, the truth was, they had a point. They did have a point. Yeah. When you did get to represent them, Bozza, yep. there's two games I want to ask you about. You know, let's start with a positive. Yeah. I, I didn't realise that you'd scored a goal for the soccer. Well, yeah. I'm a bit embarrassed about that now. Yeah. Well, why would you be embarrassed? Well, because I, I put myself in the other guy's position, the other goalkeeper thing, and you just conceded 12 goals and you got the opposition goalkeeper coming up and taking one as well. So it was a penalty. Did you put your hand up and say, the boys, I want to take this? No. Or? I had Dwight York and the late Hugo Accio over here in Australia at that time. I played right. over 60 games that season uh, and yep. I knew we had the qualifiers coming up with those games, but then New Zealand in a couple of weeks, so it was going to be very difficult for me to have a break. So I was begging Terry Venables, can I just miss these early games because... We're going to win them by cricket scores. Yes. And he said, look, you play the first one and if, if you score, I thought he said if you score, if we win more than 12, you can go. Right. right. But he reckons he said only 10, right? So then when the penalty come, it was only 12. So I wasn't 100% certain. So I wanted to make sure. And Bosnich, the keeper, wants to come forward to take the penalty. Well, this has brought the crowd to life all of a sudden. Mark Bosnitz wants is about to score, or is he for Australia? And he does. Well, it's a lucky 13 for the Socceroos. 13 nil against the Solomon Islands. Because I wanted some time off, so I went because Aurelia Vidmar wanted to take him. He's on a hat trick, and I just grabbed it off him and basically. <laughs> and he looked at me and said, "What are you looking at?" I, you know, bullied him. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to make that was the reason why because I wanted to make sure. So when I went off, you well, uh, Terry Venables, and where'd you go take the penalty for? I said because I want you know I want a week off with Dwight Nugo. Because you had that twenty minutes ago. I went off. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> I said I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. So then I scored, and I remember then we were going out to York, and then they were laughing at me. Go, they're the ones who said, "How would you have felt if you just considered twelve in the opposition?" Go, I went fair enough. <laughs> I said, "What do you want me to okay. do? Go apologize?" Yeah. And the second thing you're going to ask me about is the Iran game. That that that's got to be. Easily yeah. the most disappointing moment in my career. So I, I spoke to Aloisi about this in depth. We did a bit of a doco on it. Yeah. So what 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 was that like to see that unfold? You're two 0 up. You're going to the World Cup, and then you know two two late goals. It was it was the lowest point. It was oh, the hardest was, thing I've ever seen live. That yeah, it was. was in I, sport. I was more disappointed for number one the players um, that you know would have thrived in that environment and perhaps. You know, because a lot of the players, myself, uh, probably one of the rare exceptions, but the vast majority of players, and we're seeing it now of coaches too, there's nothing wrong with this, 
um, you know, use that platform with the Australian team to get contracts overseas. And I wanted yeah. as many as my fellow Australians to enjoy the life um, that I was having overseas. And that would have been a massive, you know, because more scouts go to World Cups and all that than anywhere um, because it's an opportunity. So I really feel sorry for them. And also the fans. Uh, the fans came out in droves that night. Um, it was an incredible atmosphere. We're 2-0 up. We were going to the World Cup. 1-0 at half-time. Well, Australia's domination perfectly. continued. Aurelio Bidmar sending the MCG the crowd soaring. Back across! <laughs> Australia's victory seemingly certain. The only thing I will say, I will say this, and I think it's right to say, the booing of the national anthem of any other nation for me is not on. That, uh, yeah, I didn't I like that, but I just felt sorry for them. Uh, cruising 2-0 up, um, but I, think, I thought it was one of them. Um, uh, people started thinking about that were there rather than playing the game, not the occasion, so to speak. So yeah. playing it minute by minute. Uh, there was the interruption, but I don't use that as, as an excuse whatsoever. Suddenly, the Socceroos were on the defensive. Against all expectations, Iran made a comeback. Just four minutes later, Australia's hopes cut down. Danger for Australia here, the flag's down! It's an equaliser for Iran! Two all, Iran on top on the away goal rule. A nail-biting finish as the Socceroos desperately tried to make up. Australia unbeaten, but losing the race. All but a few of the 90,000 fans silent as the whistle blew. Australia's bid to qualify for the World Cup finals coming to a bitter end. Um, I, I thought the Iranian coach reorganised them very, very well. And I've got to give a lot of credit to the Iranian team because they were they were a better team than us in the first league, by far. Uh, second leg they weren't and to have that type of spirit like I said to you is very difficult in sport coming back to the Shane Warne example with, when you get hit for yeah. six to come back even stronger after that is a great strength to have and they did that they were down and out and they did that and they came back and, and it was an amazing night you have to say in the end for them and as I said disappointing but and I remember I remember saying this I remember saying this afterwards I said look listen I, feel, I, t I said what I said to you, I feel sorry for some of these yes. boys, especially the ones that were not going to play again. But I remember saying to the Dukes, to John Aloisi, the younger player, Harry Kuehl, uh, the younger players who were there, I don't know who, which other younger players, but those are the ones that come to mind. I remember saying to them, use this, guys. Use this as a, as a determination because there will come a time, maybe not next World Cup, maybe there will come a time we'll be able to put this right. And thankfully for Australian football, they did. Not the next yeah, one, but did. the one after. And one of the most amazing nights, I think, you have to say, in Australian sport, you have to say up yeah. there when, when Johnny uh, hit that penalty at, uh, at, at the Sydney Football Stadium. So, um, so yeah. But so it was, for me, from a personal point of view, like I said, from a complete selfish point of view, um, and being one of the biggest players, you've got to take responsibility. Just like you take the wages that we talked about and the credit mm. when things are going well, you've got to take responsibility. So I felt very much personally responsible that I couldn't at least coax them through like a good jockey would with a horse when he's leading so far in a Melbourne Cup those last 20 minutes. Um, but uh, like I said, it, it, take it as a lesson. And, uh, and like I said, and thank God um, that they did and they came back even stronger. Not, not, it wasn't the next World Cup, it was the one after for 2006. So that was obviously a, a real low point 
yeah. on field for you. Um, it's it's well publicised, and this is again my question and your answer. As you said before, you had problems off field, Bozza, which yeah. ended your career in Premier yes. League football. That's up to you to discuss if you want to about going into those or what you learn about people and life when you are on your knees. Yeah. Um, I think you learn, number one, about yourself, yeah, but I think that also happens as well when things are going really well. You learn about yourself, yeah. Um, in terms of people, nothing really surprises me, but that's been all throughout my life because I've seen people act different in different situations and I think everyone's always got a story, yeah. Maybe that's, they do. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's me being a bit too good. Maybe I should be a little bit more cynical, but I always think to myself, okay, well, that person maybe doesn't come across the right way, maybe is doesn't like you or whatever. I think you have to accept that as well. But then I think to myself, they, 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 there must be, there's always a story behind every person. They might have a story from childhood or this, that, and the other. Um, and, and I can understand it. And at that time as well, because of the situation I was in, which I touched on with, with the girl and, and the whole setup situation. Do, do you want to explain what, what well, was going I, on I, in I your basically, life? Yeah, basically, like I said to you, I, I got, um, you know, after eight, eight, whatever it was, 18 years of negative tests, all of a sudden I turned up a positive test for cocaine. And uh, I was staggered. But I did realise that the girl who I was going out with at the time had a serious issue with, with drugs. Right. So, so, but I was convinced it was a false positive or something from her, but other people weren't. And, and I was very disappointed in that. And the mistake I made then was when they turned around and said, no, 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 we're not, you know, we're not taking, you know, that's it. It's in your system. It's your problem. Even though it was sort of proven that it really wasn't me. But the big mistake that I made was to sort of lose my temper a bit and say, right, oh, okay, if you think I, I'm this, then I'm going to show you what this is. And that was wrong. But then I realized that was sort of, it was going to be, that, that was sort of playing into the people who were behind that person into their hands. It was just going to weaken me. So um, in terms of other people, I was actually glad. I actually said to a lot of people who were close to me, stay away at the moment because I'm in a, a, a quasi, if you like, sort of war situation. And they go, what do you mean? I go, look, I'm like the Titanic. So <laughs> for your own sake, just stay away. So that right. was fine. And, and I'm better to deal with things like that on my own rather than sort of, I don't like to put my problems on other people. Um, but I think you learn more about yourself. And, I, and I, what I learn about it is that, um, number one, even going from the highs of highs to the, to the lows of lows, so to speak, I was quite proud of myself to be able to come out of that situation, but I wouldn't want to go through it again. And the only thing that I regretted, like I said, I should never have, at that time, I should have never have lost my temper and, and done what I did. I should have, I should have, you know, I should have done regrouped, uh, come back home for the eight months of the ban or whatever it was, um, played some football here, you know, spent, and, and then gone back, yeah? Because once I went down that road, and this is what a lot of young people got to understand, once you go down the road of, of the drugs, you're not going to play football or do anything at the very top level again. You're not going to do that, okay? So that's a, that's a decision. And then you're talking about a decision at 31, which is just far too young. And also you do put your health and you put people around you at risk as well. So that so, is not so a way now, to go, yeah? So now... Like, you know, well publicised, and you've talked about drugs and cocaine. Yeah. How do you feel about it now? So we, we are lucky. Yeah, I'm telling you how I feel about it. <laughs> yes, but, but so I, I guess from the perspective, we're very blessed on this show to have a lot of kids listen. Yeah. And it, it'd be easy for so you to say, that's what I'm trying say, to say to them. I've got drugs. kids now yeah. too. Yeah, but that's what I'm telling them now. That's why I'm trying to say that to them, give them advice. Yeah. I've got a five-year-old and a 10-year-old, and I'm going to have to have that conversation with them very soon, especially the 10-year-old. She can start reading things and all that. 
Yeah. Trust me. I, I, like I said, because at the time, as you as it, I thought I was bulletproof, right? And I, well, to an extent, you have to say I was, but not to the extent that you think you are. And I was lucky because I had the money and I had the, you know, well, you could say I, I'd already done a certain amount, nowhere near perhaps what, uh, well, what I should have done, but still I won four major trophies. I mean, yeah. But uh, most importantly, I think if you're talking about from a pure life uh, situation, um, like I had the security to be able to do that, you know, to not be able to do anything for four years, right? You know, mm -hmm. basically a lot of people don't. And then I sort of thought to myself during that time, I said, now I understand because before I had, you know, coming back to, I, you know, everyone's got a story. So when I used to see maybe somebody breaking into someone's house and, and sort of, I don't know, and, I, and I, they, they take 20, 20 pounds or something, I said, why would they do? Then I realized because if they're desperate and all that, okay, it doesn't, doesn't excuse it. It's not right. But that's the type of, and it's no life to live. You know what the life to live is? What you and I have been talking about that mm. just now having kids, having yes. a family, that's the life to live. No, there's no more joy. There's no more joy than that than seeing your kids. And you're putting that at risk by going down that road. It, just, it really is not worth it. And you know, and for those who say, all right, well, I might just dabble in it. Okay, but you've got to know yourself because I think that everybody's got a little bit of an addictive personality in a way. Mm. It's just that the ones that can control it better, probably whatever it may be, whether it be addicted to work, whether it be addicted to watching, yes. I don't know. Training. Yeah, tra whatever, 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 whatever it is. So you just, yeah. you've got to know yourself because, you know, if you get addicted to that, it's a, I, I'm telling you now, you're, you're gambling with your life. So did you have a last question on this, mate? And you've been very open, and, and I think it's some really valuable lessons, which yeah. is why I appreciate it. Did you have a moment? Did you have one of those light bulb moments, or did you just gradually think, "This is not me. This is not me as a person. This is not what I represent. No, I, I need I, to get out of this." I was fortunate. I got out of it, and uh, and uh, came back to Australia. I didn't have any plan to come back to Australia, um, but came back to Australia, played some games with the Central Coast, and then, um, oh, this is a good story. I had already taken half. Uh, well, I'd really take a, a half the fee that I was supposed to get to. It was like celebrity. It was like a celebrity rehab show in America, right? right. I think it was going to be Bridget Nielsen. I think that guy that was in Lethal Weapon, I was going to be on and all that. So anyway, right. so after I come back to Australia in 2008, so and I got my visa and everything, you know, and mum and dad were like, oh, come on, man. Like, you, you come back here, spend some time, but you don't want to go on that show and, you know, sort of, you know, like, and I said, oh, I said, look, a deal's a deal. I've done a deal with them, right? I'll, I'll go there and do the show and I'll come back, yeah? But I had to go to my little cousin, his dentist place, a week before I left, right? Yeah. And he's turned around and gone, he's looking, you know, how they look at your teeth, right? And he's gone, you can't go. I go, what do you mean I can't go? Go where? He goes, you can't travel. I go, why? He goes, you've got an abscess. If you go up in the air, you could die. I went, oh. I said, well, you better write that. He goes, I'll write it out. You're going to see a specialist. I'll write it out. You send it to those people. I had to give the money back, send it. So I'm very, very sorry. Anyway, like a week later after I'd said that, said I'm not going, I went back to see him. I, I thought that was going to be the day that I had the opera. Anyway, you're not going to believe this. The abscess is gone. So I think they, they cooked that up a little bit, but it was a good, <laughs> decision. It was a good decision in the end. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bozzy, you've been, you've been so bloody good with your time. Um, for me, the, the greatest footballers I've seen representing Australia, everyone talks about Kuhl and everyone talks about Viduka. 
but the name Bosnich has to be in there. At the at, oh, at, yeah. at, at your high point, mate, you were the best goalkeeper in the world. Yes, like, it's, uh, an, it's an incredible thing, mate. Yeah, that, that I, I would say that's true. I, and and I, I've got no problem in saying that's true. A lot of people say, oh, and a lot of people are shy to say that. So you've got to give them time when you're talking about things like that. Um, but I, I was a goalkeeper too. They were players. So again, completely different. But uh, yeah, yes, that, that that that's a fair fair comment. Although, like I said, my contribution to Australia will be more off the pitch than it was on the yep. pitch for those reasons that we spoke about before. I only played, I think, 16, 17 times for Australia. And but you were a standard bearer, Bozzett. Yes, I, yeah, very I could true. Then tune yeah, very in, true. Like Craig, but, like, like but, yeah, Craig Johnston. Yeah, but someone like Tim Cahill, um, you know, or, or, or someone um, like you mentioned, uh, like, say, Mark Schwarzer, uh, who I grew up with, you know, they played uh, They played nearly 100 times, or I think 100 times for Australia. Yeah, they did um, for Australia. But the point I'm making, sorry to interrupt you, Bozza. Yeah. You were playing in the Premier League, though. So, correct. So you're playing yeah, in the correct. Premier League. So all the young kids in Australia can think, yes. wow, if I work hard, I could be a goalkeeper like him yeah, in the Premier League. Uh, yeah, and that's a pretty big legacy. 100%. 100%. That, and that was always my aim. You know, when I was, like I said to you, growing up after watching that, I wanted to play in Europe, specifically in England, and win the, and what I consider the big trophies. It's like yeah. if you want to play basketball, the best place in the world to play basketball is America. If you are in, I don't know, in Switzerland growing up um, and for all of a sudden, for whatever reason, you had a really big, oh, if you're in Ireland, okay? Well, we know, well, I know from Ty Keneally, and you yep. want to play, and then you play Gaelic football, but you want to play the biggest competition that's similar to that, you, you go to Australia to play in the, yep. in the AFL. So that's exactly right. And and you're like I said, and you're right to say that. But that's why, like I said to you, I try to contribute as much off the pitch because at that time was a different time. There was no international break and it wasn't the major priority unless it came to World Cup qualifiers. Simple as that. And a lot of that was to do with, like I said to you, um, the fact that and they were right. They were like, you know, listen, we pay you wages. We gave you yeah. the opportunity. Um, and we understand that there must be a balance, but you've got to understand the club's point of view as well because the bottom line is to have you fly around the world to win 10-0 and have the risk of you flying back and your knee blowing up or, or, or getting jet lagged yeah, is a huge it. risk. And, and that's understandable, completely understandable. And I think any uh, anyone who's been a boss in any type of business at any type of level will completely understand that. So you're having one of your major assets being loaned out yep. where you don't know if they're going to come back exactly the same way. So I can understand that understand that. So we always finish this podcast and we've touched on a few of the different things, but we always finish it by, as I said to you earlier on, when we were talking about substances that uh, we're very lucky a lot of kids listen to this show. So for well, all I think the that, kids that's why there, I said that's why it's important to talk, to tell them about that. Yeah, not to yes. hide away, not to shy away from it. No. And that, and look, the, the bottom line is there's, there's a, probably a 99.9% .9 chance that they're going to be in some way offered it or maybe try to be coerced. And when I say that, I don't mean that from a I mean, like, you yep. know, just peer pressure or whatever. Yep. And just to be – two things. Number one, there's no, it, don't ever feel ashamed to say no, right? doesn't make you – it actually makes you better. But in that situation, you may feel lesser. Actually, really, in the long term, you're going to be the bigger and stronger one, right? Okay, so don't worry about that. And the other thing is if you do, if you do, try to know yourself to know that you need to then switch it off. And if you can't do that, then seek help because it can get to a stage where it can become very dangerous. Yeah. And for those that are hoping to achieve success in their life as you had, you've just yeah. kindly given us that bit of advice. 
what advice would you give to the youngsters out there that want to be a footballer or a scientist or a plumber? Dedicate your life to it. Dedicate it, yeah? The, the biggest and the hardest thing will be is making that choice what you want to be. I would give advice, but you, you can, you, you know, whoever's listening to this, you can manage this for yourself. But try to pick something, number one, that you're very good at, but number two as well that you love because then it's not so much when things are going well that it, it, things aren't, aren't going so well that it becomes too much of a sort of pressure on you. You might be very good at something and not love it or you might love something and not be very good at it. But if I had to choose, like I said to you, I, I would choose something that you love because the bottom line is your own happiness is the most important thing. And as we keep finding out more and more and more, we can see physical injuries. So the mental ones you can't see, and they can sometimes be more damaging. So it, it makes it easier. That's what I'm saying. When you talk about enjoyment, um, you know, I played and did something that I loved for 20 years, and now I'm talking about it. And that's why I say how lucky I am, really. Yeah, but it, it does make a difference because there are times even as much as you love it, it becomes hard, not on the commentary side. For me, this is great, right? Mm. But from the playing side, you know, when you suffer that loss, when you make that mistake, yeah, when you get left out of the team, when you get injured, and then mm. you know, but you, you just know, you, there's a, I love this sport. You know what I mean? I really, really love it. That was the hardest thing about that period when I was out and I was going through that, all those that, the shenanigans. The fact that I wasn't playing football, really, that was the most hurtful thing out of all what happened. For me, that was the most hurtful thing. Bozzett, you're a star. As I said, I went to Villa Park four or five times and when they yeah. were singing, you'd never beat the Bozzett. <laughs> it's one of my great sporting memories. It's been a thrill to chat with you, mate. People can see you on Stan Sport, but thanks for being so open and honest and for having such a massive contribution to Australian sport. You're a star, mate, and you've always got a smile on your face and that's what I love about you, mate. Howie, thank you so much. We finally did it. We did it. <laughs> Stay safe. Well done. He has lived a life and a half has the boz. What an absolutely cracking operator. I hope he made you laugh as he did me. Thanks to Mark for coming on. A fair effort for a bloke who struggles to turn a computer on, it must be said. Thanks also to Hamish Burt at Stan Sport for making it all happen, to Das for being Das, and to you all for listening and helping us get to 150 episodes. Thank you. Until next week with cricketer Usman Kawaja. Peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. Listener.